Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. Being anxious is literally an epidemic in America. So much so that recently two articles were published, one by the New York Post that labeled this generation the anxious generation, and one by the New York Times that called uh, the, the idea of being anxious, it labeled it American-itis. It's, we've adopted that as our own disease. Last weekend, we launched into a three-week study that where we are diving into what the Bible has to say about being anxious, looking at this subject, anxious about everything. And I want to just review last weekend, just because last weekend and this weekend are so linked together. If you were not here last weekend, I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to go back and listen online to the foundation that we laid last weekend. But last weekend, we asked two basic questions. We first of all said, what does it mean to be anxious? And we clarified that we are not talking about a medical diagnosis that is a mental illness of anxiety. We're talking about a flesh response to the things in our lives that can be dealt with through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I gave you a definition of being anxious that I want to put back up on the screen that is our definition for the series. Here's what we said it means to be anxious. It's fearful concern experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. It's our response of fearful concern to the situations and circumstances in our lives when it appears that the situations and circumstances are greater than our resources and our ability to meet those. And we differentiated last weekend between genuine concern and fearful concern because what we're not saying is that we just should have no worries at all. We should not be concerned about anything. We should just, you know, don't worry, be happy. That's not what we're saying. We said last weekend that genuine concern is what we would call a burden. And it expresses itself in dependence on God and asks this question, what will he do? When I have a situation or circumstance in my life that seems greater than my capacity to meet that situation, genuine concern drives me to my loving relationship to my father and pours out my concern to him as a burden and trust that God is in control and I can trust him in the midst of this challenging situation. Fearful concern is the opposite. Fearful concern is when that situation arises and I become anxious and that expresses itself in dependence on self and it asks this question, what am I going to do? Not God, what are you going to do? God, how are you going to work in this situation? But how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to get out of this situation? And that becomes an all-consuming desire rather than the challenges in my life being invitations to deeper intimacy with 
with God, the struggles of my life become temptations for me to run from God and look to myself to figure out how I'm going to deal with this. That's when this thing of being anxious that Paul's writing about becomes a reality in our lives. And so last weekend, we asked a second question. Why should I not be anxious? And I gave you five reasons, and I'm going to just list them, why we should not be anxious. Number one, being anxious is not pleasing to God. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Number two, being anxious endangers my health physically and spiritually. We looked at the laundry list of damaging effects that worry and anxiety have in our lives. Number three, being anxious is inconsistent with the character of God. If God is who he says he is, what in the world are you and I so anxious about? Number four, being anxious misrepresents the character of God to those around us. When you and I as Christians are living with worry and stress and anxiety, it's misrepresenting the character of God to unbelievers around us who are watching our lives. And then number five, being anxious doesn't change anything for the good. Doesn't change anything. So, that's where we came last weekend. Now, I want to jump back in with the third question we want to address in this series, and that's how do I keep from being anxious in my life? Because if we're all going to be honest, it's one of those areas of temptation that we all deal with. Now, some, obviously, more than others. The thing about our flesh, our fallen nature, is that all of us have one. The difference is each of us have propensities towards one thing or another. Not everybody's going to struggle in the same way. We're all going to have struggles. But each of us has a flesh based on experience, based on what we've been through, based on our wiring, based on our family, based on our heritage, a thousand different things. Our flesh is bent in one way or another. And for all of us, we're going to struggle with this, but some, obviously, infinitely more than others. And we said last weekend that just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you're immune from stressful and difficult situations in life. Don't believe that lie of the enemy. So one of the reasons a lot of Christians struggle with this issue is because they think this shouldn't happen to me because I'm a Christian. That's not true. The Bible says just the opposite. As a Christian, you and I will face challenging and difficult circumstances. But not just us as Christians. This is something that's a part of all of human nature. When we chose in the garden, like we looked at in our last series of pages, when we as human beings sinned against God, we talked about the fall of humanity, that we lost the ability to have a relationship with God, and the damaging impact of the fall in human society, in human nature. One of the damaging effects of the fall is that you and I now have to battle this thing of worry and anxiety. And because this is a human problem and not just a Christian issue, human beings have tried to figure out how to deal with this thing of anxiety. So this week, our team, we did a little research. We looked around online. We did some research at some of the ways we as human beings have tried to come up with to deal with this thing of being anxious. And I'm just going to be honest with you. It's really amazing some of the things that we've come up with. For example, we found this one website called Healthline. Now, they claim to be the fastest-growing health information website on planet Earth. 
And when you look at these folks, man, it's, a, it's a, a list of people with medical and science degrees. And when you go to their About Us page, listen to what they say about us. And I found this so encouraging. Look what it said. We're human just like you. Oh, that's awesome, right? We're human just like you. We know that peace of mind can make all the difference in how you feel. So we'll be here when you need us. Doesn't that just make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? I felt better just reading that. So, so they have this article on their site. And listen, there's a lot of great things on this website. I'm not disparaging them, but, but when it comes to this issue of being anxious, they have this article called 16 Simple Ways to Relieve Stress and Anxiety. Number three, light a candle. Man, when we dig down into the depths of who we are, we can come up with some great stuff, right? You got a problem today? Here's the invitation. Light a candle. We're going to have candles all over the front today. Just come on, light a candle. You'll feel better. Oh, oh, you get this. Look, Look at number. This is number six. Google it. I'm not making it up. It's right off the list. Some of you are doing this right now. You already feel better than the rest of us. (laughs) So so, so if I can be honest, this list didn't help me a whole lot. So so we searched some more, and our team came up with another one. There's a website called BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed has 16 little ways to keep anxiety from ruining your life. Now, what I'm about to show you is literally the way they put it on the website. This is not a joke. This is a serious article. This is literally number 12. Imagine yourself taking off your anxiety glasses and giving yourself a break. Now, if that wasn't serious, but that's serious. Oh, you're anxious. Here's what. Go to a place where you imagine yourself like like the cat, I guess, taking off your anxiety glasses and giving yourself. Here's number. this, This is literally number 13. This is how they showed it on their website. Schedule time for your anxiety. And they show you with an iPhone how to do it. I wish I was making this up. I wish you would, if you Google this, you're going to find this exact article with these exact pictures. Now, again, in both of these, there were some helpful suggestions, but seriously? Well, let me, let me just say to you today. We have a better source to turn to than that, to find help in these situations. Let me tell you what we have. The one who made you. Listen, the one who made you. When I say made, I mean down to the smallest part of who you are. The one who spoke your existence into being wrote us a letter to tell us how to deal with this stuff in our lives. Before I light my candle or chew my gum... Or take off my anxiety. I don't even know what that means. 
just read the letter that the one who wrote you or who made you wrote to you because he loves you. So so let's read it. We're going to read two verses out of this letter. Philippians chapter 4. We looked at these verses last weekend. Verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Now, if you were here last weekend, you know that's as far as we got, right? That's all we talked. We, we just dealt with this issue of being anxious for nothing, what it means to be anxious and why we should not be anxious. Why would he give us this command? He gives us this command because anxiety, worry doesn't help us. It only hurts us. But now we're going to look what he goes on to say. Be anxious for nothing, but... That's an important little word. It's, a, it's a, a particle of antithesis. It's a particle of contrast. It means here's one option. One option is when those situations and circumstances in your life that seem overwhelming and challenging and beyond your control, when they come up, here's one thing you can do. You can be anxious. It's not going to give you anything of value. It's not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you, so you shouldn't do it. But there is a temptation to run this direction. It is an option. He says, but here's another option. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad he didn't just say chew some gum? We can be anxious, but here's a better alternative. In everything, with prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he gives us this incredible promise. I want to unpack this for you with four musts if you and I are going to know God's peace. That's really the the opposite idea. You can be anxious or you can have peace. Anybody want to have peace today? Let me see your hand, right? Amen? Four musts. Number one, I must know God. Listen to the verse. And the peace of God. Here's what that means. It's God's peace. God's peace. He didn't say, and the peace from God. No, he said the peace of God. It's literally God's peace. Understand that there are many here today in a room like this. You're already a follower of Jesus. It's the reason that you're here at church today. You're here because you love Jesus and you desire to hear him speak into your life. And so what I'm about to do is I'm about to give you some principles from God's word that you can apply to your life as a follower of Jesus to help you deal with this temptation to be anxious. But I also understand that there's some of you here today in a room like this. You're not followers of Jesus yet. 
Maybe you're here and you're seeking, you're asking questions. A friend brought you today. And and I'm going to give you throughout the morning several spiritual realities. And these are worth writing down. But here's the first one I want to give you today. Look at this one. Spiritual reality. You cannot know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. You can't know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. You see, until you know God, and I don't mean this, I mean this, the best you got apart from God is light a candle or go buy some gum. That's the best you got. But when you know God, you can draw on his strength and his peace in every moment. Here's the reality. The Bible teaches us that all of us were made to know God, to love God, and to be known and loved by God. But every one of us in this room have sinned against God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. God is holy. God will not be in fellowship with sin. Because of our sin, we're cut off from God. And there's nothing we can do. Religion, morality, good works, doesn't matter. We're already separated from God because of our sin. And if we die in that condition, we spend eternity separated from God. So apart from God, we come into this world, we live lives of sin against God, and we're on our own to deal with the issues. But God loved us too much to leave us there. The Bible says that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, is God's son who took on human flesh. He came into the world and he did what you and I couldn't do. He lived a perfectly sinless life. And on the cross, Jesus offered his body as a sacrifice, a substitute for you and me. He died on the cross in your place and in my place. He took all of our sin on himself and he died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins so that now you and I can put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be born again in relationship with God. And then when you're facing those difficulties and those challenges and those hard situations, you don't have to face them on your own. You can face them drawing on the strength and peace of a God who loves you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never come to know God, that's step number one. Give it all to Jesus and let him fill you. And listen, Paul understood this. We didn't read past Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but if you read on down in the chapter, skip down to verse 11. Listen to what Paul said. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content In whatever circumstances I am. Boy, there's a great verse, huh? How about that? Anybody shouting amen over that? I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance I'm in. Look what he goes on to say. I know how to to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, say the next two words out loud. Uh-oh. He about to let us in on something. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Of having an abundance and suffering need. Man, what's the secret? Oh, it's the next verse. I 
can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not about the situation and circumstance I'm in. It's who's in me that I'm facing the situation and circumstance with that makes the difference. Henry Blackaby said it this way. Listen to this. When Christ lives in you, he brings every divine resource with him. Every time you face a need, you meet it with the presence of the crucified, risen, and triumphant Lord of the universe inhabiting you. Wow. But here's the first must. You must know God. See, see, none of the rest of this is applicable if you don't know God. So for some of you today, if you don't know Jesus, when we get to the end of this today, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song of worship. We're going to have pastors down here at the front. If you don't know Jesus today and you're trying to figure this out on your own, listen, you're never going to get there on your own. But God loves you, and God in his sovereignty orchestrated for you to be here today so that he could come and inhabit you. So when we stand and we begin to sing in a little bit, I want you to just come down to one of these pastors. If you don't know Christ, here's all you got to say. Just say, I need Jesus. Listen, if you forget that, just get down here and say Jesus. If you forget that, just get down here and just stand here. We'll know why you're here. (laughs) Just come. Just come. Number two. Number two. I must live my life in constant fellowship with God. Now, here's where a bunch of Christians get off track. I've been talking to some non-Christians in the room for a moment. Here's where Christians get off track. Well, well, I know God. Why don't I have peace? I'm a Christian. Well, it's more than just knowing God. I must live my life in constant fellowship with God. You hear what Paul said? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with Prayer, everything by prayer. Paul uses several words in these verses to describe our communication with God. He used the word supplication. He used the word request. Here he uses the word prayer. The word prayer is the most general word in the Bible for simply talking with God. The word prayer speaks to our communication with God. And here's the problem. What we do as Christians is we put God in a box. We got God in our church box. Oh, sure, for the last hour, 90 minutes, we pray, we talk to God, we pour out our heart. Pastors here at Hope don't give us much choice right in the middle of the service. They make us all pray. I mean, we, we, we talk to God. And then maybe if you're connected in a small group, an hour, hour and a half a week, you're, you're connecting with, and you pull the God box back out and... Maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning, you're alone with God. You know, if you take church and small group and devotional life and add that up, you know what it amounts to? About 3% of your life. That means 97% of our life. What happens is we come to church, we get God out. We go to small group, we get God out. We get in our quiet time, God time, we, we pull God out. But then we put the God box up. 
We go to work, we go to the store, we go to the ball field, we, we face the challenges of in and out life, we're, we're dealing with family issues at night, we're, we're walking through the struggles, but we got God over here in this box. And what Paul is teaching us here is if you and I are going to deal with this issue of being anxious, the reason we're so anxious is instead of going to God with this stuff, we're looking to ourselves. How am I going to figure this out? When those challenges and those stressful situations should drive us back to intimacy with God. Paul said, listen to it, be anxious for nothing but in, what's the next word if you're memorizing it? If you're not memorizing it, it's the word everything, all right? Say that word out loud. You know what it means in the Greek language? You got it. It comes from a root word that means the whole. But it also means every individual part. Here's what that means. I don't have God in my church box and my God time box and my small group box. No. In every detail of my life. When that circumstance comes up that seems too difficult for you to bear, rather than dealing with it, rather than texting your friends, rather than getting on social media and complaining about it, God help us all. Stop. Go to your Father. Listen, knowing the peace of God in the difficulties of life is discovered as I live my life in constant fellowship with God. And let me just be as transparent as I can be. Everything in my life, everything in my life rises and falls on my fellowship with God daily and moment by moment. Here's what I mean by that. When I'm with God in the morning, and then moment by moment, I carry the burdens of my heart to Him, you know what I found? All hell can break loose in my life, and I enjoy the peace of God. But listen to me, I'm I'm just being honest. When I'm not with Jesus in the morning and when I'm not moment by moment carrying those things to him, the slightest little thing in my life can send me to some really dark places emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Listen, that's all of us. That's all of us. I, I don't want you to look up here and think we got it all together up here. No, 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 no. Listen to me. When I'm not much with Jesus in the morning, and when I'm not doing exactly what Paul, when I'm not in every situation carrying these things, my heart, my emotions, my mind, we're going to get here in a minute. Guard your heart and your mind. My heart and my mind. They can go to some really dark places. I must know God. I must live in constant fellowship with God. That's why the psalmist said, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. 
Here's number three. I must be honest with God about the cares and concerns of my life. I must be honest with God about the cares and concerns of my life. Paul uses some other words here. He says supplication. The word supplication is a word that means to make your need known. It's a request that arises from a sense of need. It's these moments in life when life seems bigger than my capacity to meet the need. What are those? Those are needs in my life. Paul says we're to bring these to the Father. He uses the word request. The word request is a petition. It's a very specific thing you're asking for. Look back at the verse. He says, let your, your supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, notice this, let your request be made known to God. It's a present passive verb. Here's why that's important. It's, it's not you carrying this necessarily to God. It's you inviting God into these moments in your life. We're going to face these challenging situations. Here's what Paul says. Rather than being anxious, rather than looking to yourself, how am I going to fix this? Run to your Father who loves you, who lives inside of you, and welcome his presence in that moment. Welcome his voice to speak into that situation and circumstance. Paul's telling us here, instead of looking to ourselves and becoming fearful and anxious and worried and stressed out, we're to look to him. And what Paul is teaching us here is that we need to be honest about the cares and concerns of our life. Here's another spiritual reality you may want to write down. Trusting God at all times doesn't mean you can't be honest with God about all things. Paul here is teaching us to pour out our heart, to empty it out. Sometimes I think as Christians, oh, I can't tell God I'm feeling this. What's he going to think? Hey, let me let you in on a secret. He already knows. It's when you and I get honest about it. Lord, I know I shouldn't, but right now I feel like you've forgotten me. Lord, I feel like it's okay to say that. And then allow him to begin to move in response to your Honest pouring out of it. The psalmist said it in the Old Testament. Let me show it to you. Psalm 62, verse 8. Look what he said. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. It's exactly what Paul is teaching us in Philippians chapter 4. This word, pour out your heart, it's the idea of taking something and literally turning it upside down. In these moments when you're wanting to be anxious, you're wanting to worry, life seems overwhelming. Instead, turn, run to your father and get honest. Pour out your emotion. It's okay to say, I'm angry. It's okay to say, God, I'm frustrated. It's okay to say, God, I feel forgotten. It's okay to say, God, I feel alone. You can pour out your heart. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. Listen to what he said. Turn the vessel of your soul upside down in his secret presence and let your inmost thoughts, desires, sorrows, and sins be poured out like water. Hide nothing from him, for you can hide nothing. Just pour out your heart. And here's number four. I must be intentional about thanking God, especially in stressful situations that tempt me to be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. That's one option. But here's another option. 
in everything, every detail, by prayer, by talking to God and supplication, letting him know your needs. He says, let your requests be made known to God. But don't miss this. Listen to what he said. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, before he gets to request, that's what he said, with what? Thanksgiving. Pastor, what am I to be thankful for? I'm in a difficult, stressful, challenging situation that looks beyond my capacity. What am I to be thankful for? Here's what you're to be thankful for, what God is going to do. Here's why. Here's why. Here's the spiritual reality. Look at this. Difficult and stressful situations in your life are simply opportunities for God to show his faithfulness. He's promised he's going to be. So why are you freaked out in this situation? The scripture says, faithful is he who calls you and he will also bring it to pass. It's like the disciples when they were in the boat and the storm came up and they got all freaked out. Jesus was asleep. You know why? Before they got in the boat. You know what he said? Let's go to the other side. Which meant they were going to the other side. So when the storm came up and made it look like they weren't going to the other side, all the disciples had to do was grab a hold of what Jesus already said. He'd already said we're going to the other side. I know the storm says it doesn't look like it, but God said we are. So just grab every situation in your life that seems challenging and overwhelming. It's simply an opportunity for God to show you how faithful he is and to show those around you his faithfulness. Here's what you can say. God, I thank you that I'm about to experience your faithfulness in this situation that I could not have experienced without this situation. I'm about to learn something about the faithfulness of God I couldn't have learned unless I'd have had this need. Here's another spiritual reality. Look at this. Thanksgiving is the greatest weapon you have against anxiety and stress in your life. You let the enemy... See, the enemy is not all-knowing. He's not omniscient like God is. The enemy learns by watching us. When the enemy knows a little difficulty will shipwreck you and get you over here focused on you and not on him, you know what he's going to do? Difficulty after difficulty after difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. Why? Because he can run your testimony to those that are watching you. But when the enemy figures out difficulty triggers in you a response to run to the Father and begin to give him thanks and praise for who he is and what he's about to do. Let me tell you what the enemy's going to do. He's going to stop messing with you like this because that's the last thing he wants. My mentor, Clyde Cranford, said it this way. Well, before I read this quote, because I don't know what here's somebody thinking right now, but, but Pastor, I don't feel thankful. <laughs> it's okay. Look what he said. Feelings follow faith. Thus, thankfulness is the result of thanksgiving. Don't get that wrong. Thanksgiving is not the result of thankfulness. Thankfulness is the result of thanksgiving. And worry and genuine thankfulness cannot abide in the same heart. When I begin to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving, a response of thanksgiving, even in difficulty, then God begins to give me a heart 
of thankfulness. So let me close. Don't miss the promise at the end. Be anxious for nothing. Yeah, you can do this. Your flesh is going to want you to do this, but, but I got a better way. <laughs> In everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension. Look at it. And the peace of God. You hear the promise? And the peace of God. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anybody want this today? Anybody want this today? You're not going to get there running to self. You're going to get there running to him, pouring out your heart before him, and expressing gratitude for what he's already going to do. You can trust him. And notice what it says. When, when, I, when, I, when I take this other path, when I choose to run to my father, the peace of God, which passes all comprehension. That talks about what it's going to do for you today. Today. Today, you'll have a peace that you can't explain. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. Why? Because it's not even your peace. It's his peace in you, resting and residing and manifesting through your life. It's God's peace. But then he says, here's what it's going to do for you in the future. It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This peace of God will surpass all comprehension, but, but it's also going to guard your heart and mind. Here's what that means. Not only when I begin to, you can right now today begin to live this out, and not only will it affect you today, but as you begin to make this the pattern and practice of your life, here's what you're doing. You are setting yourself up for victory and for peace in the future as he begins to guard your heart and your mind. No longer will the enemy win in these areas you'll begin to experience victory through Christ in you. It's the secret Paul learned. Let's pray together this morning. God, I pray that you would teach us from your word this morning. And God, I pray that even now in this moment that as only you can, your Holy Spirit would speak and bring application of these truths to our lives. God, we ask you to teach us today. As you sit quietly before the Lord this morning, just a moment, our worship team's going to lead us in a song of worship. But before they do, I want to ask you a few questions. Here's the first one Do you know the God of peace? Do you know him today? Listen, you can never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. If you don't know Jesus today, when we stand in just a moment, begin to sing, this is your moment. Don't wait on anybody else. You come. You come to one of these pastors here at the front. Simply say, I need Jesus. We'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a relationship with God. And you can leave here today knowing the peace of God because you know the God of peace. Number two, if you're already a Christian, are you living in fellowship with the God of peace continuously? Are you letting these situations moment by moment drive you to him or are you looking to yourself? Are you looking to your wisdom, your intellect, your resources, your ability to figure this out or are you running to the Father moment by moment? Number three, are you being honest with God about the cares and concerns in your life? Are you being transparent? Are you pouring out your heart? And then lastly, are you thankful? Maybe for some of you that are Christians today, 
You need to come and just get in one of these altars and just repent over not carrying these things to the Lord moment by moment, but looking to yourself. Maybe you need to come and just kneel in one of these altars and just pour out your heart. Get honest about what you're feeling before God. That's okay. Maybe you need to just begin to be thankful. Maybe you just need to begin to say, God, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't feel it, God, I thank you for what you're going to do. As God speaks, our pastors are going to be here. If you want to pray with one of our pastors about something in your job, your health, your family, your relationship, your marriage, whatever it is, we're here. The altars are open. You respond as God speaks. Lord, have your way. It's in the name of Jesus we